guys, welcome back to another episode of Young, Free and Coupled. I'm Shamika. And I'm Issa. And welcome to our podcast. Um, you know, we've already explained to you about this new series that we're going to do. And today we have a guest and her name is Juliana. She's got a podcast called Artistic State of Mind. And it's a really, really good podcast. I've subscribed to it. I listen to the episodes. I enjoy listening to it. And Juliana is here. Yay! <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm really well, thank you. I'm doing good, doing good. It's, uh, That's good. It's Monday. Monday yes. Friday yeah. of the week, you know, and everything. But yeah, you know, I'm glad, it, I'm glad the week is like slowly coming through, so... <laughs> how's, next, how's your, how's your you know, day been so far you've had a good day yeah I've had a good day I've had a good day just been at work kind of after I literally this is what I do so I try to get to into work as early as possible yeah. so there's no yeah. one in the office so I can do all the work that I need to do and it's really quiet so when it hits like 4.30 I'm literally picking up my bags and be like night guys see you <laughs> <laughs> literally don't waste time I don't waste time I'm literally in and out of the door do my work and then go and then you know yeah. but yeah but yeah no my day's been good and just been at home <laughs> that's Basically, good yeah. that's good you value your own time so yeah. you work is work and then time to go I got my life to live <laughs> and they don't pay me enough to be sitting there <laughs> exactly <laughs> No. <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, Juliana, you own a production company. Is that your, your? Is that what you do for work? No. So with my production company, it's pretty much something that I kind of do um, alongside my full time kind of job. So, like I was saying, I see as my full time job as my side hustle and my production company as my real hustle. I, it's okay. something that I have a passion for. Yeah. Um, so with my production company, under that, I am the writer. I'm a writer and producer. So I write projects. I write short films. I write TV, web series, you name it. I'm trying to write it. Mm -hmm. um, and then at the same time, I also like to produce. Um, and the producing element comes with the fact that I've worked in various different organizations, which has allowed me to hone my... I guess my organization skills, mm -hmm. I like being organized. And especially when it comes to kind of, you know, starting a project and then managing a project. And that's what producing is. Yeah. It's literally starting a project, managing every element of the project to make sure the outcome is as, as, is as successful as it should be, if that makes sense. Um, so that's what I kind of do with my production company. Um, I recently um, we we released a short film last year, November. I'm in the process of writing another short film. Well, I finished writing my first draft um, of a short film that I plan to shoot in the next couple of weeks, um, which again I will mainly be funding on my own. So that's what I kind of do. But like I said, like literally the full time job that I work, which is I work for a charity, is my side hustle. You know, okay, it's, wow. it's the one that pays the bills for yeah, the time. For the time being, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow, that's your yeah. hard worker, hard worker. I, I try, I try. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know, I know what you're saying because, like, I've kind of taken to podcasting, 
and I've gotten really into it but obviously I still have a, a job and mm. I you know it it pays the bills and I just kind of do that so that I can podcast yeah you know what I mean so I know exactly exactly what you're saying yeah um, but what what made you like start a production company because I'm sure that there's a lot of people out there that say oh I, I want to produce or they might even say okay well I'm going to try and work for this production company this famous production company or whatever what made you decide that you know what I'm going to start my own production company it was it was through frustration mm-hmm. and determination at the same time <laughs> To complete anomalies, I guess. Um, I was frustrated at the fact that I wanted to get into the industry. Yeah. Um, specifically into production and being able to write and also kind of like how just in the industry, in the arts industry in general, I always wanted it. Initially, I growing up, I wanted to be an actress. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I listened to one of your podcasts when you were saying that. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to be an actress. Then I grew up very quickly after university and realized actually I've got some debt to pay. So yeah. the acting stuff, I couldn't really. I was just like, and to be honest with you, my passion for acting slowly kind of withered away. And I became more interested in television. And because I did film and TV at university, I became more kind of interested in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and through that, I had various different opportunities of working in certain parts of the kind of like creative arts industry. But I always kept on hitting a door where where I wanted to progress. I wasn't given the opportunity or I wasn't the first on the list where I was Mm. working twice as hard as a lot of my colleagues. But then at the same time, when I would go for certain roles, because again, this is not to even say that, you know, I'm the best of the best. The industry is extremely competitive. Mm. and it's such a small industry for the amount of people trying to get into the industry you know they look at somebody's cv who's got bountiful amount of experience and they probably prefer to choose them mm. or they somebody who a friend of a friend knows that person and it's just easier that way so they will hire them and that's what tends to happen mm. and i just got frustrated by that and i also got frustrated by i don't see women that look like me Mm. I, especially and this is let's forget about america mm. let's you know the uk okay, yeah i don't hear about black female producers and mm. um, you hear about the odd writer and that's when you know they have to do something spectacular then all of a sudden everyone's got this big massive buzz around them yeah. but they've been doing it for years mm. you know you don't see black female directors you don't see you know black female um, black women owning production companies and I just thought to myself and I just got tired mm-hmm. I really really got tired of having to I basically beg to at least get to, the, like, <laughs> to get somewhere yeah. and work, work somewhere for three years and still be in the same position while seeing my colleagues who were white go ahead of me and not be there that long it yeah. just got frustrating I just said I'm, I'm done I was literally like, I'm done. What I'm going to do, I want to create a space. I want to create a company where, you know, young girls who I would like to think where I, the vision that I see um, my production company being is being a production company 
that creates, you know, that creates stories that allow for the real human experience, mm. but mainly focusing on stories from people of colour, specifically black people. Yeah. You know, the realness, the rawness, the reality of what life really is. Mm. Um, but catching it, capturing it in such a beautiful narrative. And I know there's a lot of people, especially women of colour, especially black women, especially black men, that have that vision as well. So the plan, the idea of me opening my production company was literally saying that in 10 years time, I want to be able to be seated in my CEO office or whatever <laughs> and look across and look across at my employees and see that it's not only, it's the mixture Yes. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not think... just the one black person or the two black people and then the Asian person and they see that, oh yeah, we're including you. Yeah. We we we're catering to diversity because we have three people in the office. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Okay. I wanna be able to work in and I wanna be able to create a space where I know that there is every not every race there's an opportunity for everybody there's opportunity an equal opportunity like based on your performance and based on you know your talents alone yeah and at the same time for young girls to grow up and see someone like myself and be able to say i can do that too i didn't realize oh like for example i didn't have that you know knowing who's a black producer who's a black woman producer who's a black writer I never got taught that stuff. It's all those kind of things where you kind of do research and all that things. But I want to be able to create this space, but at the same time, use my voice to be able to go back into the education system, go back into schools and be able to speak to young people, young girls and say that you can do this because this is how I was able to do this. And this is what I've done to get to where I need to get to. Yeah. Juliana, I think there's two things that you said that are very important. The first thing that you said was um, that you basically you created this uh, production company because where you were you wasn't seeing any progress um uh, and you wasn't basically where you wanted to get to you wasn't getting there and instead of you staying there and saying oh well they're not choosing me because of this they're not choosing me because of that you didn't make an excuse you went out and, and did your own thing and I think that that's what a lot of people can learn from because oftentimes we complain oh but this person isn't seeing me is it because of this is it because of that and sometimes it is because of this or that but okay. You don't. You didn't just sit in that and and complain. You have gone out and done your own thing, which is an, which can also be seen as an inspiration to others. You can tell your. You can teach a lot of um, younger people, like brown girls or boys, the same thing. Like you know, you could do this. I was here, and this is what I've done. But that's one thing that I think is inspirational. The second thing you said was. Um, you want to, I think you were saying that you want to write about real experience and, um, like real realities, real realities. Yeah. And from your perspective, mm. a lot of what we see out there is, is realities and real realities from the white person's perspective. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's good for us to see our realities as well and our cultures and you know the, the way that we see things because not a lot of that is out there so i just wanted to say you know that's it's great that there's somebody who's actually starting to do something and maybe there are others but obviously i haven't spoken to anybody so yeah that's really good
Thank you. Thank you. It is one of those things where, you know, like you said, even the black stories that we do have nowadays, a lot of them, a lot of the people don't realise the writers behind it are white. So it's not really real. It's not authentic. It can't be authentic. You know, so you kind of think, or when you hear about, oh, they're doing a biopic of somebody and this is the designated person that's going to write the biopic, you think, well, what about black writers? What about Asian yeah. writers? You know, what about those people that can tell the stories, that know the culture? Exactly. Tell the story, you know, give them that job rather than giving a middle-class white man that opportunity to write a project where you can give that to somebody else. Yeah. You know, I always look at it as, you know, when I when I the stories that I kind of have in my head Mm -hmm. that I kind of think about, I'm always my main kind of character. I always write, I always write for women. My characters, most of my main characters are always women. Mm -hmm. And that's not down to the fact that I'm a woman. It's down to the fact of the lack of television, the lack of films where I see a main woman character that predominantly kind of is the main focus. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm. Yeah. The time I see a lot of films, a lot of, you know, TV series that's just literally the man. Based around man, mm. yeah. Based around, Based around men. Yeah. And it's kind of like the stories that, you know, you have the main female character and, you know, she's not, she's not doing prostitution or she's not, you know, having a hard life or she's not having a breakdown. Oh. Yeah, like Colour Purple. <laughs> Colour Purple was around a woman, but that was hard life. That was, yeah, yeah. Have a breakdown because a man left her and da-da-da-da-da. It's just like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, stuff like that is true. Yeah, it is true, yeah. <laughs> you know, you've got... There's other parts of a woman that, you know, you can tell a story about. You know exactly. what I mean? Where, where a, a beautiful spectrum of, like, stories that you can talk about. So when I hear, I see stuff like that, I'm just like, no. I've got plenty of stories where I can, I feel like we can talk about women and we can focus on that part and people will equally enjoy it and get it and be like, yeah, I understand that. I get it. I get it. Rather than, you know, seeing a hard knock life and, you know, seeing the struggles, yeah. you know, not to say that women, we don't struggle because we do, but sometimes you want to be able to. That's not all we want to see. That's not, that's not all we are. That's not yeah. all of our experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's, that's right. Because like, like when we like put the kids to bed and like we sit down and watch films yeah and I don't fall asleep (laughs) I manage to stay awake yeah um we watch films we just pick films to watch like on Netflix or whatever and a few weeks ago I remember saying to Shamika have you noticed that like in films it's always like a man with like a younger Younger woman woman, yeah it's always Always. it's like never the other way around yeah Yeah. it's always like a man he could be any age he could even look like he's in his 50s yeah and he will have a girl not have a girl have like a woman who's like in her late 20s or something and it's just it's not even part of the storyline it's just like normal It's, it's like okay this is just the universe of that film that's just how life is and like like Women like women can't be with younger men, or yeah. you know, the old, like, like older trend. women can't have a man. You know, it's, it's very yeah, it's very weird. Yeah, it is, and a lot of the time it goes down to the fact like what what not even society, what media, what Hollywood see, deems as sellable. Yeah, do you get? What yeah, I mean? yeah. Like, prime example. I know we'll probably talk about it at some point. Black Panther, whole black cast. Mm, In yeah. reality. 
back in the day, Hollywood would have said, that's not going to sell. A whole black cast? You've got to be kidding me. Yeah. That's not going to sell. So imagine having a woman who's an older woman and has a younger man. Yeah. If we're yeah. constantly seeing that story, they're going. that's not selling because mm. in reality... That how does that work out? Do you know what I mean? Who is who is buying into that? How who is enjoying that? Whereas if you look at an older man with a younger woman, it's like there's a I guess is it there's a fertilization to it. Mm. You know, the fact that an older man's able to get a younger woman and she looks good on his arm and you know, all of that stuff. That is sellable. They yeah. feel that is sellable to society. So they constantly push churn, it. they constantly churn that out as oh do you know what that works we're getting money for it whereas if they try to do the 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 opposite way where the older woman's with a younger man yeah. it's kind of well you know no that that, that that's not gonna sell how's that gonna sell? I, I, I think it's also like um the people who make they, they always hear this process called green lighting a film i don't even yeah. proper know what it's about which you can actually explain but I would guess it's got to do with, like, someone has to, like, sign it off, yeah? Mm. And I would think that a lot of the people who, like, have the power are probably men. Older men. Yeah. And that's what they want to see in their film. Is that how green lighting... Is that how it works? The process of green lighting, from my knowledge and from what I kind of know, and don't take my exact word for it, because sometimes I can get stuff jumbled up. Yeah. So the process is, is that they get a script... And um, the producer and the director kind of work to make sure that they're able to collect, basically get funding for this particular film. Um, most of the time, some studios have the, if it's already, if the script has already been um, um, acquired by a studio, they already have the funding. It's literally them going out, making sure that um that they get the cast, the crew, whatever, etc. The rest of the crew. Yeah. So, yeah. green lighting, specifically to scripts, is that a writer or a producer might have a script, and they don't have the money, but they want to get money from a studio or a production company. Oh. Okay. Yes. So it's about getting money. Oh. So what they need to do to get that money is to sell that script. Okay. Mm. Selling that script to the production company by saying, the amazing script, this is how much we need for a budget. They put together a budget sheet of costing wise, what it's gonna cost, how much they need to pay the writer, what the 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 rights, the the what is it, the rights to the script and all of that stuff. So there's a lot of stuff behind it that they need to make sure. Once the studio says yes, that's when the script is greenlit. So that's okay. the script. that's the script side of having a script. Basically, having the first part of the project greenlit. Um, the second part is once they've done the film. Because sometimes things can be greenlitted and made, but they also need to get distribution. Oh, so so just that's a separate thing to the greenlighting. Exactly, that's a separate thing. So once they finish making the film. They've got to find a distribution company who will then distribute the film. So, mm. for example, a distribution company is the company, basically, they're the ones that kind of make sure it goes out to cinemas, various cinemas, um, various places and stuff like that. They're the ones that you kind of see in the beginning, part of the production company. They're also part of the beginning of the, the I guess, the what's the credits. 
So they then have to get distribution rights. So that's another part. So they might get their film greenlit, but if they don't get a distribution, the film is not going anywhere. Yeah, it's just just stuck. Yeah. It's stuck. So a lot of the times when... Because back in the day when I used to work for talent management, I used to read a lot of scripts. And a lot of them like, yeah, it's greenlit. And I never see the film come out. Because what happens is, is that they don't get distribution or they don't get enough distribution. Mm. So there's different levels in the sense that a certain film might only be distributed in Russia or in, in, you know, the US. So, or in like a European country, that's not the UK. So certain parts, certain countries can see the film, but another country can't see it because they don't have distribution rights to it. Oh, right. So that's why sometimes you get these films and they're only, they, they might be released somewhere this month and then like two months later, it goes to, yeah, okay. I never understood that. It's really to do with distribution and how they distribute the film and how they want to as well. Because sometimes a lot of films, um, mainly independent, they try and distribute their films around festivals. So the buzz is, so they can get the buzz behind it and around and just before award season. So it's all very calculated how they try and do everything because it works in a sense that you've got festivals just at the end of the year and then you've got award season just at the beginning of the new year so they try and make sure their films are distributed before that so they can be put forward for you know nominations for certain awards and stuff like that so you know it's all kind of like a process yeah because I didn't know any of this stuff and I was like wow this is this is how it works and it's how it works you you think that oh putting out a film is so easy but it's not as easy as the whole process it's a whole process. You, you know what? You you made me think of something, right? You know, the other day we watched that film, uh, Three Billboards Outside. Outside okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Really good film, yeah, innit? Yeah. yeah. I heard about that from your podcast because that was one of your recommendations. And I yeah. think that was just in my head because remember when we saw it, yeah. I was like, oh, babe, that's meant to be a good film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then we watched it and it's a really good, good film. film. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and that's, you talk, you spoke about that a few weeks ago, I think. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Um, who votes for these um, nominations and stuff? Is it the industry who vote for these? Yes. Okay. So, like, with the BAFTAs, the BAFTAs, how it works is that a lot of the awards is voted by industry people. Mm. So they have, um, oh, I can't remember, oh, what are they called? They're like part of a board, their specific kind of board, which every year, you know, some people are taken off the list, some people are added onto the list, and they consist of creatives, they consist of agents, they consist of managers you know anyone within the in, in that specific industry and basically is them voting for their peers yeah, yeah I, I yeah. think that's really um off key because I, I i i was listening to um one of your podcasts with your brother and, and you were both saying you know um a lot of these films that get nominated they're not even in out in the uk yet so yeah, like, yeah. Like, it's like they're catering to just 
industry, industry. It, it, and it makes no sense it's not it's not really it's not even really fair really because mm. what about um the people the the people who make the money really is is the consumers but the yeah. consumers have no say in who gets picked for what yeah and i think what it is what is i i don't think it's correct mm. what it's down to they feel like the industry people know best, if that makes okay. sense. Yeah. It's still a clicky, clicky yeah. society in a sense that it's it's this uptight and we make the decision and, you know, we know what art is important. So this is what we decide. This is what we think is cool because we're the trendsetters, I guess. That's what it is about. Mm, in reality, yeah. it makes sense for them to give the consumer the opportunity to vote um for i guess the best films for what what they deem as a good piece of you know a, a good piece of film if that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah. See, it's just like but then what what do we what 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 do we have left to do then they you won't know? have yeah they won't have any position possession <laughs> it will take it will take their the it will basically it. kick them off of their pedal stools basically exactly. and and i and you can tell what type of people they are and mm they quite like to be on the top of the pedestal. Yeah, that's what they yeah, used to. The industry, people don't realise how, when it comes to kind of like the TV and film industry, it's very kind of uptight and very, you know, boys clubby, posh, mm. very boys clubby kind of feel to mm. it. Yeah. Uh, I'm right, you know, let's talk about this and, you know, yes, yes, yeah. I'm correct. <laughs> we know I'm best. Not going to that place. I don't be talking like I'm talking to my, like how I talk now. Yeah. <laughs> People come and talk to me about something and I'm like, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. Wow. And I find myself changing my voice to yeah. my work, my office voice. And I'm like, oh, I don't speak like this, do Yeah, I? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't understand what you're saying. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> you know, but that's what it is and sometimes i don't like to get wrapped up in that industry so i feel like as much as i want to be able to make film and television and have my work commissioned by the bbc to sit down with people in like those kind of offices i am so like chilled i'm a homebody person so i like to be in my house um and i can't do small talk i am believe it or not for somebody who talks 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 I am the worst at small talk. Oh. I am the worst. I'm also so, so socially awkward in a sense that if I'm in a new space, I can be sitting there. If I need to go and see a film, I will literally sit there, watch the film and go, carry my bag and go. I don't talk to people afterwards. I'm just really awkward because I literally can stand in your face and just be like, okay. <laughs> and stop saying, weird. You think, oh, she's weird. Let's not talk. Yeah, but I, is, is that, is that, is that really because you're um, socially awkward or is that you're you're real and you're non-conformist? Maybe you just don't like being conformist. Okay. It's a bit of both in the sense that I, I'm not a kiss-ass. Yeah, If I yeah. like anything, I would, I would just kind of, like, I wouldn't sit there and say, yeah, that, that was really great, <laughs> you know? I just kind of go... <laughs> it's an interesting my favourite word for interesting you know, yeah but it's an interesting, it's, it's interesting. Piece of stuff. <laughs> it was interesting yeah, yeah you know that's what I tend to say or I just kind of just I don't like I'm not that kind of person that if I see a, 
a celebrity on the street or something like that, I sit there like I want to take a photo. I'm literally go about my business. I'm like, oh, is that person? I just walk past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just not that kind of person. I just I don't sit here and kind of be like, oh, that's that person. Unless I'm really obsessed with that person, then that's different. <laughs> <laughs> but that if it was Michael B. Jordan, that's different, you know. Oh, <laughs> but you know. The rest of them, they're all right, you know. If I see them, I'm like, oh, cool, I like your piece of work, fantastic, you know, and that's it. Keep it going. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, like, Michael B. Jordan's everywhere now, isn't it? Mm. This Black Panther, which we have to go and see soon. Yeah. Yeah. Man, no, you guys time. have gone to see it, so we can't even talk about it. Damn. Yeah, no, we can't. I know. And, and you know what? No spoilers. Because I listened to one of your episodes, which was about Black Mirror. And you guys were like telling the storyline. Was, that was I, the whole idea. Oh, shame. <laughs> well, then I need to be quiet then. So that was we, the whole point we, of it. We made sure we waited a month and a bit to make sure everybody had watched it. Because it, remember, it came out the end of last year. It came right at the end of December, innit? Yeah, right at the end of December. And we're just like, me and Stephen were debating when should we have a dis- conversation about it. And obviously the time, this time was perfect because it kind of had died down People have probably seen it by now. Yeah. So we thought we'd go into an in-depth discussion and a review as well. So it was literally us breaking down every single episode. But we won't be doing that because we're recording We're recording in a few days. So we won't be doing that with Black Panther, we've decided. Yeah, people need time. It's a, bit hard, it's a bit hard to get a babysitter with four kids. Yeah. <laughs> Still, exactly. You know, which is understandable because sometimes I think that I've already seen it twice and I'm going to see it another time. I'm going wow. to see it again. Right. Yeah. See, that's how good it is. Yeah, I know. I know. It's just you might have to. You might have to go without me, and then I might have to just go without you. No, <laughs> just no, go with our separate. We have to try. <laughs> we can do it if we try. Um, yeah, I know. We're, we're, we're going to see Black Panther, though, definitely. Um, all right, Juliana. So now you spoke um, a little bit about you. You, you don't see people that look like you in the industry yeah now recently they had the um well, recently enough they had the golden globes nomination i don't know if they go if they've had the um award ceremony yet. have they had the award ceremony for the golden globes yes they have they have all right it doesn't really actually matter though because i heard from quite a few places that there were no what was it women directors nominated yes. All right, so, okay, you know, but why, like, do you think it's a big deal? And if you do, like, help me to, like, understand why it's a big deal. It's a big deal because representation matters, Um, especially with, in regards to women, I think... You know, the industry talks about the importance of they're getting to a place where representation is important and, you know, and they're not reflecting that. So for the fact that, you know, there has been quite a few women directors doing some amazing things. And I find it it's a bit of a cop out when people say, well, you know, what film were amazing women directors doing? You know, I feel like. For you to be a great woman director, you've got to go above and beyond to make sure your project is on the caliber of somebody who is a mediocre director and mm. who is a white man. You know, 
And I said this quite a few times, and I said this, I I haven't watched Dunkirk. Um, I don't know if you know the film. Yeah, I've, I've heard I've, of that. I yeah, seen that's it. that's the war film. Yeah, so me and Stephen have gone back and forth about it. Stephen thinks it's a, my Stephen, my brother, who I co-host the podcast with. Yeah, he thinks it's a good film, but you've got something like a period piece of what World War film that you know been there, done that. Come on, it's 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 been it's been done, and I think that's what frustrates me when something's been done so many times. How many? What other angles left do you have left to now tell a people? You've done it all. What, do you want to pan the, the, the camera into the water, into the ocean while you do the submarine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, give me something else. Yeah. So I see, like, and this is not to take away from some of these, some of the directors kind of like CVs and what they've done, because I'm sure they have done amazing pieces of work beforehand. But give women that opportunity. Let us be represented in yeah. these kind of categories because we've done the work for it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. That, that, that's a great answer. I don't really... And I, I, and I bet any money if they if there was no face on, on the directors, no face, nobody knew who it was, it was all anonymous, there would be a lot more shine. And it would, it would be a big shock. It all right. A... Now, you've got a good podcast, a great podcast, Artistic State of Mind. People check it out after you watch listen to this okay and you know i'm i'm not really i just like watching films that someone has made someone else has put all the their artistic like effort into it and they've done it and i'm just a guy at the end that just watches it but i've always wondered what a cinematographer does because you know there's some films where it just looks good. I would mm. guess like that. The three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah. It had like nice shots. You know, sometimes I go on about, oh, doesn't that doesn't this film just look nice? The shots that they're taking and yeah. What what does a cinematographer actually do? So the cinematographer is basically the person behind, directly behind the camera. So they're the one that is kind of holding the camera with the camera operator. Mm -hmm. So cinematographer is also known as the director of photography. Okay, okay. That's the the other name. I see that in the films a lot, director of photography. So AKA DOP, that's what they're called. Okay. So actually hold the camera. They're the ones that's getting the shot, but they get that, I guess that instruction from the director. So the director is, what he directs is everybody. Yeah. Including the director of photography, but the director of photography directs the shots. Okay. That's what they kind of do. So those beautiful shots that you see is down to the cinematographer, aka the director of photography. Okay. That's so what they kind of do. But they they also focus on the vision. They also try to make sure the vision of the director comes to life by a camera so they work part and parcel together mm-hmm. yeah so yeah okay all right well that's mm. just good to know because <laughs> i always see that and i try my best not to just like go on google i try to, i think if you can talk to someone to like who knows about that kind of stuff it's a good way to understand it properly so 
you don't always go back to just checking Google, innit? Mm. Um, okay, so now I want to get into this bit, which I really want to talk to you about, because me and Shumika, like, when we started going out together, within the first year, we went to see quite a few musicals. We saw, was it like within the first year? or within no, the we first, only saw one. We saw Thriller. The oh, Michael yeah, Jackson oh, yeah, one. You forgot to see this. I took you to see Thriller oh, yeah. on your birthday. Remember? Was it my birthday? It was on your birthday. Don't lie. Oh, man. <laughs> I took you there, man. No, I remember Thriller. I remember because it was rubbish. No, okay. Remember some of the dancers were a okay, bit lackluster. Okay, yeah, some of the dancers they, were. Like, they, it seemed like they weren't putting their full effort into the... Um, it just wasn't, you know, up to par. Yeah. Like, I don't know if they were tired, but they were not putting... It's not that they couldn't dance. They just seemed like they were in rehearsals. Yeah, yeah. I remember that too. Yeah. Um, so we saw that. And we saw um, Lion King. We saw Lion King. And did we see a third one? No. We didn't. You don't trust me, but yeah. No, I don't <laughs> okay, think so. Okay, I can't think of it now. But anyway. I remember the first one we saw was Lion King, and that was amazing. That was really good, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, I loved it, yeah. Now, you know... It's fun because it's good to like see a live performance and see these talented people like right in front of you. You know, you're looking at them. It's not like being recorded and edited. Mm. And it's fun, but it's really expensive. And, you know, I really wanted to speak to you about like the British kind of, you know, the the whole. Yeah, the theatre scene. And if just like a normal. Not normal. If just like anyone, not on a budget, but who can't yeah, spend a, like... Yeah, on a budget. Okay, on a budget. Imagine we wanted to take all of our children. That's like six of us all together. Yeah. So, you know, it would cost a lot of money. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, tell us about the scene and is it open to new people? Because sometimes I feel like if I go, if everyone there is going to know about the art scene and I'm just going to be like... The outsider. That's how I feel because I'm not in that scene. So can you like tell us and our listeners how the scene really is? Give us the download or whatever on it. I think when it comes to theatre, a lot of people and a lot of people that don't necessarily know much about theatre feel intimidated because they feel it's it's for a specific kind of people. Um, and that's where I, I that's what I noticed. And that's why um, I started Artistic State of Minds to break that barrier, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah. For people not to feel afraid to go to theatre, for people to go and experience, you know, live theatre at its finest. Um, The scene itself is a very old scene. It still markets to its upper class, middle class audience. Mm. Because... They bring in the money mm-hmm. in reality. Yeah. You know, theatres, this is putting aside, and uh, um, I would kind of differentiate what theatre is because a lot of people kind of think theatre, they think West End. Yeah, so that's me. With West End, West End, you're going to spend a lot of money yeah. to go to the theatre. They are a money making machine. That's what they do. They're independent producers who commercially want to make money. Mm. With the other part of theatre, you've got your, I wouldn't say niche, but your local British theatre in a sense that it's not West End, 
it's not lower end kind of fringe theatre, it's in between. So you've got your National Theatre, you've got your Young Vic, you've got your Old Vic, you've got your Almeida Theatre, um, you've got, um, oh, what is it, Tricycle. So you've got quite a very chunky bit of theatre that's kind of sat in the middle. Yeah. They offer high-end tickets, the highest price ticket you'll probably, probably pay at, like, say, for example, for a show at the Young Vic would probably be about and this is not 100% accurate, but at most, I think about 50, 50 to 60 pounds. Oh, is, really? That is for a really good ticket, or if the show is, I guess if the show has, has got good rate, good reviews, and they know it's going to sell really well. Yeah. So their tickets tends to be a lot higher. But the lowest amount, the lowest amount you can pay for a ticket if you wanted to, is £10 to see that same show. Again, depending on seating, where you want to sit. Now, everyone seems to think that the best place to sit is in the front. No, it's not. <laughs> you, don't yeah, you don't see anything. I'm telling you, I would prefer to sit in the middle or sit at the back because I feel like you can get the whole kind of atmosphere, the whole arena in itself. And you get to also see the reaction of other people as well. Yeah. I think in the front you're literally sat in the front you don't get to see what other people the the because sometimes i watch pieces of theater and i just look at people and just think i wonder what they're thinking now yeah and yeah that's in you get people that okay or you get people that's like i'm not here for this mm. it's just kind of seeing the room as well um and with your fringe theaters fringe theater is like you know local kind of people who just want to start a fair company and have a great piece of work that they want to put together and then you know they hire a space and make a piece of theatre again tickets can go from five pounds up to 30 pounds mm -hmm. depending but with fringe theatres it's supporting your local theatre group or supporting your local people who just want to be able to make amazing piece of work who just want to create if that makes sense mm. yeah and this is not to take away from West End because West End, no matter what, it's always going to be there. They make money from tourists. You know, a lot of people come to the UK and naturally immediately think you need to go to the theatre. Oh, yeah. And where's the first place they go? West End. Yeah. Got the likes of Dreamgirls. You've got Motown. You've got Wicked. You've got Lion King. All you've got ABBA. Are. You've got ABBA, which I really want to see. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've got ABBA, you've got so many different kinds of shows you can see. And then you've got other kind of like that other theatres that are part of West End that aren't musicals as well. Um that a lot of people try and come and see because they just think that's the part and parcel experience of coming to the UK. Yeah. Or coming to, you can't come to London without seeing theatre. It just yeah. doesn't make you know, and that's where a lot of these producers, a lot of these kind of like big West End producers make their money from. Um, Andrew Lloyd Webber, prime example. Yeah. He, very rich man. Yeah. Very rich. Because I, I, I don't know necessarily know his backstory, but you see the work that he makes. He knows the process. He knows the procedure. He knows what how he can make money but at the same time using his I guess his skills and his talent to be able to make that piece of piece of theatre very sellable if that makes sense and continue on for years he's been going for a long time yeah 
So a lot of time people forget like with West End shows, they go on for a long period. So it's not just like, and that's the difference with, I guess your middle, middle ground theatres. Mm. They'll probably do like, um, they'll probably do like a, a month and a half run and that's it. Mm. Whereas West End, Dreamgirls has done one year, they changed to a new cast and they're probably do, they're doing another year. Lion King's Lion King. We saw that at the beginning of that's like ten years ago. Yeah, ages. That's a long time. And I'm always seeing it. Them shows that you're mentioning. I'm always seeing them advertised. Wicked's on, been advertised for such yeah. a long time. Yeah, because because it's literally like a a running kind of system. Yeah, it, mm. you're running because people will always go and come and see it. Mm. Like, for example, I don't know if you've heard of Hamilton. Um, that's yeah, the latest that. kind of musical that everyone's buzzed about. There's been a lot of backlash because their top tier ticket for one seat they're charging two hundred pounds. Wow. Wow, exactly. wow. Exactly. Only certain people can go and get that ticket. A lot of people are kind of speaking up now and saying these West West End directors are taking the absolute biscuit. Mm. Yeah, you know yeah. how can you expect somebody to pay two hundred pounds to see the show can be absolutely amazing, but in reality, you can't expect someone to pay two hundred pounds yeah. to see something that would last about 90, 90, 90 minutes. And who are you catering to? Who are you catering to? If if you take if you take on board the average wage in London, who are you really catering to? Who's yeah. going to spend a, a two days or three days wage on some people for a week's wage on a yeah. ticket? Nobody. Yeah. And that's why I always talk about a lot of the time I don't recommend West End shows mm. on my podcast, mainly because of that, mainly because of I know the realness and the reality of how expensive it is. Yeah. It's very expensive. And I want more people to go to theatres that are more fringe, that are more in the middle part, because I feel like a lot more of our stories even though theatre has got a long way to go with telling black stories and telling real Londoner stories mm. but they tell our stories much better than West End like okay yeah you've got your dream girls you've got your Motown but that is still the US that's not ours yeah. Yeah, that's not ours us yeah. it's not ours you know so I always say that you know yes like West End is great if you want to go see dream girls if you love dream girls that was the only musical that i ever kind of was just like guys go and see oh everything God. else i've kind of been like yeah if you get like you can find yourself a cheap deal um to i never even knew that there was any other kind of theater i mean i've heard of um you know like the, the um what you, you know oliver <laughs> oliver um not oliver twist the black Oliver Jamaican. I've heard of mm. I've heard of like th- those shows. Like the you've you've heard of ca- yeah, foods. you've heard of that, and then you've heard of Shibada and stuff like. That. That's two I've heard of, yeah. but that's a different kind of theater. But other than that, I've never heard of any other kind of theater where you could get thirty pound ticket. I I, I, do, I I live in I've lived lived in London all my life, and there's just nothing out there. And you know what the problem is? A lot of the time. This is another issue that I also directly also mentioned in my podcast. Theatres are comfortable in the sense that their PR are comfortable with the people that they get in the audience. Yeah. Yeah. They're so lazy when it comes to marketing. Yeah. They don't market to people that that kind of are the 
the showcase of what London is mm-hmm. that need to hear these stories. Like for example, I can't remember what piece what piece I went to see and I said, everybody needs to go and see this. I can't even remember what it is. Oh, it's going to really irritate me because I know once we finish, I'll be like, oh my God, it was that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, is 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 it like a West End one you're thinking of? No. Is it something about brothers? The brothers guys. So, no, it's not. That, it's not something that's that was recent. It was a couple of years ago, oh, actually. Okay. It was a couple of years ago. Uh, oh. It will come to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was something that I said that my mum. I could take my mum to go and see this. I can take a family member to go and see this because it was so relevant. It's not this one, but this one's a prime example. The Barbershop Chronicles that was at the National Theatre. Mm, okay. It was it was basically around um, the barbershop environment, but in four different locations. So you had London, you had Harare, you had Lagos. And I think you, I can't remember the other African country, but it had another African country. And it's literally just men having conversations in the barbershop. Well, that sounds, that sounds like it would have been funny. <laughs> I've been in some like proper just barbershops and just listened and been like, yeah. felt like they're but, 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 but you know why the theatre would have been good? Because as a woman, when I've been to the barbershop, certain things they don't, they sometimes they, they kind of mute <laughs> they themselves. Short, so yeah. to have, to be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or something like, come on, man, the woman with the picnic. Or, you know, they just, they, they calm down a bit. But to watch it in theatre, it's, you know, they, you'd kind of see a gist of what really goes down, isn't it? Mm. And for them to make a piece of theatre like that, I thought, I could take my dad to this and he completely could understand yeah. the, the realness. And because every black man goes to the barbershop, you have your conversations about football, about life, about, you know, wives, about girlfriends. That's where men really talk. Yeah. And to bring that, that kind of reality onto stage, I thought anybody could understand Genius. that. Yeah, mm. yeah. Anyone could understand that. But who are they marketing to? Yeah, because yeah. I never heard... Exactly. We don't hear about those things. I mean, I've heard... Like, it's only because I'm a bus driver, right? And I drive... Sometimes I'll drive, like, literally all the way through London. And yeah. I was driving past a theatre that's near, like, Waterloo. And it had, like, John Boyega. And, like, a few months before it had... um had another A-lister. I can't remember who it was, but when I saw John Boyega, I was like, wow, John Boyega's going to be here mm. performing. And it wasn't like a massive theatre. Mm. And this is even um, after he was in Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, I've always liked John Boyega since I saw that, like, um, I don't know if it's like a movie. It was about... Uh, Attack the Book. No, not... I like that. But it, it it was it was about a boy who got killed. It was called Shaquilas Shaquilas or something. It was it was a young boy who yeah. got murdered because um he was like fifteen and it was they called it like the honey trap. Uh, I know which one you're talking about. And yeah, a, and, and the girl, girl the girl led him, him to yeah 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 and yeah then all yeah. Of, oh, He's in that. Huh? Is he in that? Yeah, John Boyega plays the main character. Wow, I think I've seen that film, but I saw that from a long time. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a long old. time ago. It's yeah, old, yeah. But I saw that and I read about the the story before, and I was like, wow, he got lured in, and then he just got 
stabbed and it's it's always yeah. sad when like young children are getting yeah. killed like this but he was so good in it and I always kept my eye on him and then I saw him in like Attack the Block and then I saw him in the Star Wars the, the not the newest one but the one that came out a few years ago Star Wars I was like wow he's in Star Wars as well yeah yeah and I saw that he was going to be performing and I it's so bad because I immediately thought well, he... that cinema ticket's probably going to cost about £90. Yeah. But I didn't even check. And I only saw it because I drove past the theatre. Mm. When I was working, I wouldn't even normally go around there. So mm-hmm. what you're saying is completely right. The way that they are advertising it and, you know... It's very lazy and... Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it, it, it needs to change. If they're trying to... Because they always keep on saying, you know, how can we reach the audience that reflects, you know, our London? How can we reach the audience? Go out. Exactly, exactly. Demographics. Make the effort. Mm. If anything, let your office reflect what London looks like. Yeah. You know, if you've got five, five white people sitting in the PR office... They're not thinking about how we can go to my, maybe the local church or the baby crash or where someone might be that might have an interest or, you know, advertising in certain areas that you might not have, they might have overlooked. They might just just be thinking, oh, well, you, you know, London, oh, Soho, they, we, yeah, we'll advertise there, we'll do there, we'll do there, that's perfect, we'll yeah. definitely get or we've got our patrons who come on a regular basis, so they they we're set, you know. We'll definitely make money on this, and they don't think about catering to those people or going into schools. Like certain theatres do try and still cater for schools and kind of you know allow for school bookings or you know do discounted prices for school kids because I know that it's changed now that drama has become. Is no longer compulsory. So before, or no, going to the theatre part of your GCSE drama is no longer compulsory. So you can do GCSE drama. Is it? That's no. I did drama. Me and too. That was that, that was like go. one of the best parts. Yeah, it was. I remember fun. I went to go and watch Our Country's Good, <laughs> which doesn't make sense. Yeah. It doesn't make sense at all. So from when they do that, that that's what worries me about. That where the no arts sense. is going for the younger generation yeah. mm. so it's just like you just completely want to wipe it out for the younger people who that's quite like, sad you know for me i believe it or not i was a very shy shy child growing up but drama for me was a, a sense of everything it yeah. allowed you to escape it it was just so fun you get to be these different characters yeah. or you read a script or you get to read a play and you just think oh wow this is so amazing you know I didn't know people can write like this to know that certain kids won't be able to have that opportunity it makes me sad because it's a space for people to just feel like they can their inhibitions can just come out and no one is judging them and it also allows young people to to see a side of the world that they might not be able to see with their inner family mm. How, they I, I i never went to the theater with my family i never even knew but that going to the theater was a new thing it was just like it was it was wicked it was yeah. wicked yeah yeah it's, it's, so it's a shame. that a lot of the some theaters still do it um which is great because 
those younger generations are those ones that are still going to come back to the theatre maybe in a few years. You know, if they have a thing for the theatre, they're the ones that are going to be coming back and knowing what's what is what they can come and see. Mm. But at the same time, you still need to touch on the older generations who still don't know about theatre, but stories have been told about them in the theatre and they don't have a clue. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's better, better to think, think about, about the younger generation, generation more, yeah. but also... Like Julian just said, older generation is important because it's it's not even being part of their life. They've lived a longer life; mm. they've never even thought about that. So, it's we they need to do better, really, isn't it? Yeah, In I, and, I, and you know what? I am more closer to the like younger generation because these people are our fruit, are our future, and it's like mm. all the resources that had been there previously for them have are being taken away. Yeah. Then what do those young people see? All they see is what is being pushed, which is social media, rub, just lots of rubbishness. Fodder, just yeah, stuff what, that doesn't what even about matter. things that matter like yeah, we've got cinema, but that's not real. You can't see people like being dramatic, and it's not the same thing. Yeah. So it's, it's that's just that's a shock to me. And 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 how will they know if they don't see it. You know, sometimes you need to experience something for you to know whether it's your thing or not. You're just exactly, alienating exactly, the whole... Exactly. All these young kids, so... Yeah. It's so, and you know what? That's when you get things like, you know, like with the H&M controversy that happened recently. Yeah. yeah? When you don't have people in the industry being part of processes, you get, yeah. like, these things that happen with H&M, like, they're writing... Yeah, uh, 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 cool monkey, and then putting it on a little black boy with Nivea. So Nivea, many, yeah, Pepsi. Doing stuff, and you think who is in your office? Because I'm sure if that was a black person that was there, would be like, nah, you guys yeah. need to, yeah, nah, yeah. it's not the one today. Exactly, not today. said it, but you don't hire people that reflect the people that are your ever trying to advertise to. You know, mm. you want to buy your products, but then who is working behind it? And then you come and pull a stunt like that. No. Yeah. And believe it or not, we black people have money power. Like, we really do. Look, Look at, at the, the Fenty, Fenty situation. situation. Yeah. No, nobody was nobody was um, doing makeup like that. And then when Fenty came out, everyone's Kim Kardashian, Kylie Jen, everyone wants to do makeup for black, for darker shades now. Like, like, like we were never, we were, we've always been around. Yeah. We've always been around. It's just because they just assume that we won't buy. So who are they selling to? There's not enough of us to sell to. So what's the point of trying to make a product where in reality, where like, I think, I don't know how much percentage of the consumer we are, but we're big, massive. We, chunk we, of consume, we yeah. consume a lot. We do. Buy. Yeah. So we consume a bit too much. <laughs> right <laughs> we yeah. do but you know and it, like numbers don't lie yeah you know if then the numbers are showing you i know with the h&m situation i don't know if it's down to the whole um the whole call this monkey in the jungle thing but they had to close down a full few stores there i think their stocks went down a little bit mm. you know stuff like that that goes to show you can't pull a stunt like that and not expect the repercussions sure, yeah you know? yeah, yeah. Completely. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. All right. So, some great conversation. You know, I'm I'm loving this. <laughs> um, 
what I want what I wanted to ask you, Juliana, is um can you tell us a film or a play or both, you know, one or both of them that's made a, that you think's made a big impact on society? Because then that gives me and our listeners something that we can kind of try and find or try and go and see. Okay. Um, I think for me, film-wise, it has to be Black Panther. And I'm not just saying it because of... film I haven't seen. (laughs) Um, Well, you can go go and see it. So, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think... In regards to the society part, it really has. I've never seen the coming together. Like, you see the community come together for certain things, you know, but to see the amount of people just rooting for this um, and just seeing the Black Panther Challenge, for example where a man set up a GoFundMe page and said that if we can get some money together to take um, underprivileged school kids, black school kids, to go to the cinema to watch this film, that is an impact on society in itself. Yeah. Young kids, young black kids, to be able to look at a screen and say, I can be like him. That, to me, that growing up, there wasn't a superhero that looked like, I guess my dad or that looks like me. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So kids, black kids now will be even when I have kids will be able to see that there is a there's a Black Panther superhero, mm. you know, and it's not a superhero that is like your generic superhero. He was about making sure that that the best was for his country. Mm. You People don't realise that, you know, yeah, it's all great that he, you know, he takes, like, he's a Black Panther and he, you know, he kind of saves the world and stuff like that. But the importance of his country was there. Mm -hmm. And he was the king of his country and his country was his first and foremost importance. And, you know, that in itself, put put aside the fact that he's a superhero, but to have somebody like that, that's a role model. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's... And that, that for me is a real big impact, especially for the black community to be able to see that after so many years, to see that in 2018, it's amazing. Mm. And a lot of our kids, the next generation, hopefully this will open doors for people to realize that, you know, we can have more black superheroes. Mm. We need to have black superheroes. Yeah, a lot of people say, oh yeah, there's the, there's Blade and there's Han- Hancock, but them two were vigilante superheroes. Let's look at a superhero who I guess is deemed a squeaky clean and he's your... He can fight alongside Clark Kent. Yeah. Because he loves Superman. Do you know what I mean? He could easily do that. He, like, children can go out there and buy a, a Black Panther, you know, doll and say, I want to be like him. That, to me, is a big, massive impact on society. And to see that happen and take... See that happening now. It's a long time coming, and I'm excited for what the numbers will do in the cinema and what it will do for future years in regards to film and the industry. Yeah. Because now we realise that, yeah, it can it can make money, and it's worth it's worth doing that. Mm. It's even even the like I think 
you don't have to quote me on this. I think the producer and the director and the writer were all black as well. Am I yeah, correct? so one of, the, one of the producers is, um, I think the main producer is black. They've got quite a couple of producers, mm. but the producer's black, the director's black, and the director and the screenwriter, I think, wrote the, um, the Black Panther together. So I think he's black as well. I think it's a he. Yeah, he's black as well. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it's doing big things. Play-wise, um, it's, it's, it's an oldie for me. Um, and it's one that impacted, I think, uh, I've got, like, loads of theatre that has kind of, like, done something for me. But one one thing in particular, um, one piece of theatre in particular that I always kind of sing high praises about. Unfortunately, it's not in theatre anymore. Mm. Um, but I don't know whether they will bring it back at some point. But I saw it at Young Vic, and it was called Cutting It. Um, it's about female genitalia genitalia mutation. Oh, mutilation. Mutilation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it. That to me was the wow. most powerful piece of theatre I've ever seen. Yeah, and it's not even like, in itself. It's not even about they. There was there were they showed it taking place. Mm. It was just the story. It was the dialogue. It was it. It was just the characters mm. that really sold it. And there was a piece, a moment in where oh, how do I describe it? There was a moment where the one of the characters was kind of like doing her monologue and I literally when you know when you just freeze like the world has ended mm. I literally froze I was just overwhelmed yeah like with sadness and the reality that this takes place like I think I was a little bit naive going in because I didn't know that the FGM was a thing that actually took place mm. in this country. I knew it was something that happened, like obviously a lot in East Africa, um, specifically Somalia and stuff, but I never really kind of paid attention to it. Mm. So that is something that happens in the UK. It happens you, here. I didn't know that happens here. It really does. Wow. It really does. It really does. Well, okay. I didn't know that either. And exactly. Wow. Um, and to... And that was the exact same feeling that I had that there are young girls as little as six years old going to places and having this take place. Oh, wow. And when, when I thought that, I actually, at one point I was with my friend, he literally went, are you okay? And I was like, no. Mm. (laughs) I literally changed like, I'm not okay. So now it's just taking place. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it, that piece for me really kind of, I don't even know necessarily for society, but for me, it done something to me in the sense that I never realised that theatre could actually take me to that place. place yeah. So yeah. It, it was, I saw that I think in 2015, 2015 or 2016, yeah. and it was cutting it and it was at the Young Vic. Wow. Wow, wow. So, <laughs> that is deep. That is. That is really yeah. deep. And it goes, wow, okay, well, that <laughs> that what, definitely what? <laughs> has made an effect on society. Like, even just FGM itself, but to, by the way Juliana is saying it, 
But then that, that goes back to saying, like, who are these people marketing to? Because if I don't know, I'm, well, I'm not going to say my age, but I'm in my 30s. And, like, mm. if I don't know, how, I, how many other people don't know? Like, mm. our children could be going to school with somebody who this is happening to or this mm. has happened to. My younger brothers and sisters could be going to school with somebody that this is happening to. And we wouldn't know. We just think, oh, okay. Because... We're not. We are kind of blasé because it doesn't happen in our. Because we think it doesn't happen in our country. We're just a bit like, well, you know, it happens there, and it's sad and everything. But yeah, yeah. Mm. But if we knew it was happening closer to home, uh, boy, that's deep. Yeah, yeah, that is deep. That's serious. Um. Well, uh, (laughs) we can check. You know, I we'll try... Sorry, guys. No, 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 no. that's like, good. That we, is we really good. About, yeah. Like, what you think about things. So, yeah. someone out there, and even me, I'm going to go and ch- go online and check it out. And, you know, you said it's yeah. not out in theatres now, but it's something to think about. You never yeah. know. Because theatres have run. Sometimes a run will go, and then you never know when it might come back. It... Yeah, sometimes they, like, for example, a lot of, like, with the middle, middle theatres, they tend to middle tier theatres I would I would call them they tend to kind of have runs for depending very if it's like big big projects or big plays sometimes they can be three months okay uh, sometimes it could be a month and a half depending on kind of like how long they can have the cast one how long they do the run for um I know the young Vic they only have two parts of the theatre so a lot of their runs tend to be about, at most, about a month and a half. Okay. So, so yeah, so they're not very long. Um, but they too, depending on ticket sales, depending on how popular the play is, sometimes they come back. Like, for example, um, The Brother's Size, which I went to go and see, it's, it's finished now. The run finished last week, Wednesday. Um, but... It had its first debut at the Young Vic ten years prior to that, oh. so they ten years later. Mm. So sometimes they do bring back, you know, bring back kind of plays and kind of do kind of like a massive ramp, revamp, yeah. or like again Yerma, Yerma, which had Billy Piper in it um, at the Piper. Young Vic. Yeah, you know, why are you gonna sing that song so yeah, loud? Yeah, because, because I want, want to. to. Because, because I, I want, want to. to. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love her. Yeah. <laughs> I still do. I think she's cool. Um, but yeah, so she was in a play called Yama that was at the Young Vic, again, sold out completely. Mm-hmm. Um, so they decided to bring the run back a few months later and then they took it to West End. Wow. So depending on how popular the, the show is and demanding, they tend to kind of have another run. So they'll give it about six months or they rerun it the next year. Another example, Amadeus at the National Theatre. Have you heard of Lucian Mitsmasi? Um, no. Okay, he's a black actor. Um, he is he British? Is, yeah, he's British, yeah. Okay. I can't, did, I'm kind of trying to think of anything TV-wise he's done. Have you I should have watched, a look up. Lucian? I heard of a series called Curie. How, how do you spell it? It's K K I R I. No. What's what's his name? Lucian. Miss Marty. So it's M S A M S T I. I'm guessing that's how he spell his surname. 
I'm surprised I can remember if that's correct. Okay, Lu- Lucia Miss Marty. Let me just have a quick look. Oh, yeah. Look, it's on. I'm sure I've seen this I've, guy. I've seen yeah. him before. Yeah. Yes, I, I, I recognise so him. He, so, Amadeus, prime example, National Theatre did the run of it last year. Mm. And I think they did it for about three months. They bought the run back again this year. So, depending on how popular and how sold out a lot of um, performances are, theatres tend to bring them back. Okay. Hence, okay. it really does all depend. So, hopefully, you never know, they might bring back cutting it as well they might do a tour of it and sometimes a lot of these pieces go on tour if it's a a lot smaller Mm. then Mm. they might go on tour around the uk just to make sure the the whole of the uk gets the opportunity to see it rather than so yeah okay all right nice Mm. perfect so that's great to um, that is good to know we've got some names wait before we move on what is that what is that theater that you keep on mentioning the old the young Vic. The young, young Vic. Vic. So that. So there's, there's the old Vic and there's the oh, young. Okay, Vic. so there's. Yeah, old Vic. I've heard of the old Vic. I've never heard of the young Vic. They're literally on the same road. Oh shame. <laughs> and um, um, Issa, the 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 piece that you were talking about with Joy Boyega. Yeah. Um, Washneck, I think it was called. Um, that's at, that was at the old Vic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All so, right. Yeah. So literally, that's where you saw it. They li- so the old Vic is on one end, and the young Vic is more in the middle. So oh, the old Vic wow. is more kind of like older, kind of more. I can't remember. I can't describe it, but their pieces are more classical, hmm. classical theatre. Whereas the young Vic kind of do fresher, younger ideas. They're more experimental. Yeah. You know, really kind of like do pieces that kind of like are hard hitting that isn't your typical like you know Shakespeare or your um what's that other, what's the other guy that everyone that's not well someone else that's kind of classical like, they don't really like, yeah okay and stuff okay. yeah hmm. so we got we got some good stuff from Juliana there yeah so, and this is this and you said that the are these well you didn't say these are the ones that um that sell mid market kind of theatre like price tickets yeah okay. sure yeah okay you know you can get your cheap the cheapest ticket you can get from like at the young vic is like 12 pounds 15 okay. pounds and get and it's it's a decent seat as well yeah that's you know? good to know that is yeah at least we, know. we know it now isn't yeah it? you know yeah that's really important yeah because when, when i'm like i could be taking the boys on tri- school trips to the theatre. Yeah, yeah. Who knew that you could get a ticket for twelve pounds? Yeah. <laughs> Who yeah. knew? Well, thanks to Juliana. Definitely. I know. The artistic yeah. state of mind podcast. Exactly. Exactly. We are learning guys. many things. <laughs> <laughs> Take your kids to the theatre. It's you know it's possible. Yeah, that's right. Um, all right, so that kind of wraps it up. Um, I've always got loads of questions, but that conversation has gone lovely. So we'll just leave it there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, I loved it. Yeah, I've well, had so much fun with you guys. Oh, Thank yeah, you. Me too. I'm, I'm just glad. Like I was a bit. Let nervous. me talk, talk, talk away. <laughs> yeah, that's. It's, you know what? It's it's always nice since we started doing this podcast. And realistically, Issa is the one who drives the podcast. It's more of his passion. Me, me like somebody said that I'm just a talent because I I just come and talk and I don't <laughs> mind talking and stuff, but. 
it like um I don't know if it's I, I think I heard him telling you about the bird um or oh, the bird walk the bird walk yeah. we did that was amazing and now I'm learning about that the fact that I can actually go to the not that I couldn't go to the theater before but it's more affordable and more feasible like mm-hmm. th- this is stuff that we need like we invite all sorts of information and ideas into our life into our family so that we can you know, explore more, allow our children to see more, not be just kept in this box that us Londoners are usually kept in the box. Okay, you can do this, you can do that. Everything's here. And it's not, everything is not here in the box. Like, you know, we can see more. So, yeah. Thank you. No, thank you for having me. I've had a lovely time. Uh, Us too. So, yeah. yeah. Um, (laughs) So, Juliana, just tell, like, take your time and just tell the listeners about your podcast where they can find it uh, about your production company and any projects. social medias and yeah, anything all yeah. the information take your time just lay it out this there is, my brother does all the stuff because i'm just like sometimes i just be uh, i can't remember our social media but i do i'll try my hardest yeah okay. um so, like you guys mentioned, I have a podcast which I co-host with my brother Stephen called Artistic State of Mind, um, and we basically talk about the arts, and specifically theatre, theatre, film, television, and music. Um, I kind of um, specify, I'm kind of like specialised, sorry, I specialise in more the theatre, my brother's more the music guy, and with film and theatre, um, TV and film, we kind of come together because it's kind of equally our passions. Mm-hmm. Um, we record our episodes come out every two weeks on a on a Thursday. Um, and what else? Oh God, our socials where you can find us on Twitter. We are Artistic Som. Okay. Um, on on Facebook, we are Artistic State of Mind. Instagram, we're Artistic Som Pod. Oh, what is the, what else is there left? What what about are you are you guys on Are's YouTube? SoundCloud? No, we're not on YouTube. Okay. SoundCloud and um and Apple Podcast find us at Artistic State of Mind. Um we're there, we'll pop up, you see our cool little picture and stuff. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in regards to my personal stuff, my personal projects, I have a production company called Purple Night Colour Productions. Um, you can find us on social media as Purple Night Col. So that's Purple Night C O L mm-hmm. on Twitter. Um, and again, my next project, um, I'm currently, it's kind of pre production at the moment. So that I would hope to release that by um, summertime before summer. So that's kind of what I have. But at the same time, you can see a project that I worked on um, late last year. If you go on our YouTube page, which is Purple Night Colours, and it's called, uh, it's a short film called A Living Animus. A a living? A Living Animus. So it's A-N-I-M-U-S. Okay. M-U-S. Okay. A Living Animus. So I just wanted Juliana to say it, but I'm going to put it, in the show notes, a good write all that stuff down. Stick it, <laughs> click the link, yeah, and check out your stuff. Um, no, I, I was asking for myself. And you know what? Yeah, maybe we could have a conversation with your brother as well because I quite like we quite like music. Listen, isn't it? I like. But, well, it depends on what Stephen. kind of music. If it's new school music, I don't know. I'm out of the loop. 
I'm out. I'm of the loop. so out of the loop. So every time my brother su- like suggests a song, I'm like, I don't know who that is. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Like, what music they play now sounds rubbish. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> more, more I'm old school. Stuck in the 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 two thousands. Yeah, I I only specific the only artist that I will forever listen to that has new music is Frank Ocean and mm. Scissor. Literally those two, and all I listen to is Soca. That's all yeah. I listen to. Okay, yeah, yeah. Anything else? Like Soca music, new tracks can come out, and I would love it. Yeah. Anything else? I'm like, nah. It's too, it's too hard to listen to. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know R and B. You don't like R and B. Old school. I, I like old school R and B. The new stuff. Everyone is just catting the old stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I was on the train today. No, the other day, and some girl started singing, um, you know, Jarrell's song and Ashanti, and that always oh, there when you call. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. She was singing it. And then she's like, oh, I really like that song. So I'm thinking, oh, my God, she's young. She she knows this old school song. She's singing a new version Love by it. somebody else. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> What's happening? Yeah, and there's, and there's a few songs that's been, that's been, have had a twist on it as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. These young people are thinking that this, this song is so original, where it's been done like 20 years ago. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And they're talking about they're singing it like oh I'm thinking oh these these young people know the old stuff isn't it isn't it no they don't <laughs> they don't and is- no but do you know what that one time I was at a party and um, Shanae's about twenty well she must be about twenty two now but she was twenty at the time and she was what song was it um it wasn't I'm sure it was an Aaliyah song that Drake came back Drake did a remix of, or something like that. And, yeah. and they were swearing down that that was the original song and we were like no like us oh. in our face we were like no that's not the original it, that song came from somewhere else trust yeah. me and these <sighs> young ones were they were no no this is new it's not new it's not it's new not, yeah not. <laughs> so, so maybe that is a good excuse to have Stephen on hmm yeah so. well I well it's I just don't know any... Well, you know new songs, so yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I'll yeah. stick to the old stuff. <laughs> well, we, we, I'll, I'll, well yeah. anyway, I will see. Mr. A.K.A. This, A.K.A. That. Every time I'm hearing about A.K.A. soul. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. all right. Yeah. A.K.A. That should be his new AKA. Um, All right, so Juliana, thank you. Thank you so much, Juliana. You had a great time. Honestly, it was good meeting you as well. Yes, it's an absolute pleasure. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Oh, perfect. (laughs) So, you know, I'm glad because um, I want our listeners to check you out. Everything's in the show notes as per usual. You hear anything while you're listening to this podcast, you can click on the link while you're listening to it, innit, babe? Yeah. Just you don't have to wait till it's over. You can check out anything that Juliana or Artistic State of Mind are doing. Sorry, guys. Now. I know this is talking to you, but you know, I kind of forgot you were there for a second. I was talking to Juliana and forgetting about you guys. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, thanks for checking out again, Young Friend Coupled, our new series where we talk to interesting people who you know we really want to speak to and we want you guys to check out and and learn from yeah yeah, and learn you know you can learn from everyone so thanks guys yeah and we'll see you again on another episode of young free and coupled bye